Hi, this is Dr. Tom Rogers. Welcome to Five at Five. If you've noticed, it's Tuesday night, not Wednesday night. We're changing it to Tuesday nights instead of Wednesday nights. The reason, well, a lot of people have church on Wednesday nights, Wednesday night suppers, etc. So we thought Tuesday night would be a better night. So we're going to try to be consistent with, at 5 o'clock every Tuesday night with questions from patients and people that may read my doctor's notes or listen to the podcast that are just interested in advancing their health that may want to ask me questions. So we have five questions every Tuesday night. So let's get it. Um, as a 50-year-old man, is a hormone panel twice a year enough for labs or should I be checking other levels consistently? That's a good question. Generally, when I see um, a man for hormone therapy, um, initially I'll get the labs and then um, if I start him on testosterone or anything else, I generally check the labs back in about two months to see where they're at. Um, and then if they're good, if I titrate them and, and I got you all kind of measured in, then every six months is probably fine uh, to check labs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, twice a year is probably right. And as you know, this is not just like a low T place. This is a place where we look at a lot of things, um, not just your testosterone level. I like to check other things like your heart, your prostate, to make sure that's doing well. I like to make sure that your inflammatory markers are good and that your uh, cholesterol is okay, your sugars are okay, your insulin resistance. Um, so I look at a lot of things. I'm not just here to say, hey, here's your testosterone. I'm going to look at everything and make sure your health overall is optimal. And... Um, like your nutritional status, your gut. So, yeah, twice a year um, is usually plenty. Question two. You've mentioned Cialis and metformin as great anti-aging drugs. Should men be taking both as they get older? Um, uh, you know, Cialis is not really as much an anti-aging drug as it is a quality-of-life drug. Now, granted, it is cardioprotective, it's a vasodilator, helps your body release nitric oxide, which dilates your blood vessels. And, of course, that's great for your heart. Also, it helps your prostate. It's not just an ED drug. So I'm a big believer in daily Cialis. Um, I get a lot of great feedback on it. Metformin, as you know, is a diabetes drug, but it's also an anti-aging drug. Um, and it's one of the very few because it lowers insulin levels, makes insulin more sensitive in your body, and prevents what's called glycation in your body, which is almost, I'd say it's like sugar coating. You know, sugar is so bad for you, it actually hardens your arteries, inflames your arteries, and everything else. Plus, uh, sugar makes you fat. Flat's an inflammatory organ, especially if it gets around your midsection. So metformin is a great anti-aging drug um, you know it's it's something that I do a lot of people are taking it, it seems like every anti-aging conference I go to all over the United States all the speakers when you ask them what they take most all of them are taking a, a dose of metformin uh, 
if you can't tolerate it on your stomach, that's the one side effect. Some people can't tolerate it. It gives them loose stools. I substitute uh, the herb berberine in for them. But in general, most people can take it, and if they do get a little stomach upset, it goes away. Um, so, yeah, metformin is a great anti-aging drug. I told a patient today, they're asking about anti-aging, and I said the best anti-aging advice I can give you, if you want to live longer, eat less calorie restriction. That's why I do a lot of intermittent fasting. Um, I've started to do more prolonged fasting, and, and to my surprise, it's not that hard, and you feel great when you do it. So especially if you need to lose weight, uh, fasting is really good for you. Um, but, you know, other anti-aging herbs or drugs, um, nicotinamide, riboside, NR, or NAD+, they're they're very similar. Um, as a matter of fact, one morphs into the other. That's a great anti-aging drug. And there's a lot of other experimental stuff if you ever want to come in and talk to me about it. Um, and in general, those are two great drugs for, for men for sure. Metformin for women as well. Um, and if you read my note about Cialis, some women I do put on Cialis. They do great. Um, so, number three. How to treat allergies with high-dose vitamin C or vitamin C infusions? Um, yeah, that's interesting because we in East Tennessee, of course, we have a lot of allergies. It's maybe the allergy capital of the world. And vitamin C is just a great vitamin to take. I, mean, I think everybody should be taking an oral dose of vitamin C. And if you have hay fever or springtime fall allergies or even year-round allergies i do a lot of iv infusions of vitamin c um, and it really helps a lot a lot of times i'll infuse one in the midst of a, a hay fever outbreak and it really for the whole season it helps them because it acts as an anti-inflammatory um, it really reduces those um, oxidized uh, radical free radicals that floating around that make it worse um, so I'll do that a lot uh, IV vitamin C has got many uses um, you know we get a lot of people that have had cancers that it really helps out it helps people who are tired or may have chronic diseases like Lyme or Epstein-Barr which is chronic mono it just helps them feel better it really um, does a lot of beneficial things to each cell in your body. And the thing about, about putting an IV, 100% of it gets straight to the cells. You should still take it orally, but when you take an oral vitamin, about 20% of it gets to the cells. When you do an IV, 100% of it gets in your cells. And we give some pretty high doses, very well tolerated. Um, and as you know, they used it for uh, the COVID uh, when somebody would come in, in the uh, emergency room with uh, coronavirus and they're really sick, septic, anybody that has sepsis or bacteremia, which means either a virus or a bacteria in your bloodstream that you could die of, the first thing you should ask for is IV vitamin C. It really helps out sepsis. Do the research. Um, so IV vitamin C is very good. And, and interestingly, it really helps allergies. Um Somebody asked me the other day, and it's interesting, that, and it's a, it's a true fact that if you have allergies, 
hay fever, whatever, does that mean your immune system's bad? No, it means your immune system's really almost too good. So it's interesting to me that people that have allergies have less cancer because their immune system's actually very good. So there's actually some positive benefits to having hay fever and getting those spring or fall allergies uh, for your overall health. Now, when you have them, they're miserable. But there's great treatments for allergies uh, all along, and and, uh, vitamin C is a great one for that. So um, ask me about that. If you get really symptomatic, come in here and we'll pop an IV and you'll be better. Um, All right, question four. You mentioned hematocrits and estradiol conversion in this week's doctor note. In this week's doctor note, I talk about low T. You know, it's Men's Health Month, and a lot of what we do here is hormone replacement and evaluation. Um, yeah, when on hormone therapy as a man, are those the two things you need to watch out for the most? Well, certainly those are two things you need to watch out for if you're on testosterone. Uh your testosterone can aromatize or convert to estradiol, the female hormone. Now, you need some of the female hormone because it, it's got some bone and heart protective effects. But if it gets too high in a man, it can it's not good. It can make, give you gynecomastia. It can actually increase your risk of heart disease and actually have a deleterious effect on your prostate. So, yes, you need to look at your estradiol um, measurements if you're a man on testosterone that's a lot of thing that's a a lot of docs don't realize that and if it's high you know you should be taking zinc anyway Uh, but if it's high sometimes i'll put you on an estrogen blocker or maybe dim so yes we need to look at that estrogen uh, conversion it converts more if you're overweight too so it's a good chance to talk to you about your diet Um, hematocrit is your red blood cell count now when men get on testosterone, uh, a lot of times it will bump that red blood cell count up, which in in most cases is a good thing because when your red blood cell counts up, it means you're getting more oxygen to your muscles and tissues. In rare cases, probably 5 to 7% of people I treat, it bumps their hematocrit up a little too much, and your blood could get a little sludgy, a little thick and I'll send you to donate some blood. Again, that's very minority of patients, but um, that's something that you do need to monitor for sure. You know, there's other things I'll watch out for. Um, you know, the types of testosterone you're using, how often you're using it, what your levels are. Sometimes I'll check a peak and a trough level, um, but uh, certainly needs to be monitored by somebody who knows what they're doing. Um, all right, last question. What's the biggest thing you took away from the COVID-19 pandemic when it comes to staying healthy? Well, that's a great question. You know, here it is almost mid-June, and we're kind of opening everything back up. And, you know, things are getting back to kind of a new state, a new normal, a new normal probably because people are paranoid. The things I learned about the COVID um, pandemic – was that our country really wasn't ready for it um, in a way, especially in the big cities. Um, So I think in the future we'll be a lot more ready, and now we know a lot more about how to handle it. The biggest danger to COVID was if our hospital ERs and ICUs got overwhelmed and couldn't take care of the patients. 
that really didn't pan out. Um, you know, we really flattened the curve probably by social distancing in the places where it was necessary. And, you know, we learned a lot about, you know, we need to be more attentive to um, getting ready for a pandemic. Um, now, we also, in some cases, in some parts of the country, in most parts of the country, we, we overreacted, I think. We actually went too far. I still see people wearing masks in their cars when they're the only ones in the car or riding a bike with a mask on around here. That's totally unnecessary. It's almost laughable, really. So it created a lot of paranoia. I actually called in a lot of nerve pills over the last three months and people that just freaked out over this thing. And they really didn't need to. Um, it's interesting that in New York City, which it hit really hard, and if you were in New York City, you, you should be a little paranoid or should have been. Um, but even in New York City, where there were over 10,000 people that it killed, I saw a, a report the other day. It actually, only five people out of those 10,000 deaths had no pre-existing disease. Five people. And if you look at, look at the demographics of who this killed or made really sick or who ended up on the ventilator, which they did have plenty of, um, obesity. You know, obesity was probably the main risk factor. They say hypertension, but half of Americans have hypertension. Um, but obesity, it struck me that obesity to me was the main risk factor for you getting really sick, ending up on a ventilator, or dying from this disease. Um, so, you know, when I started performance medicine 15 years ago, my main mission was really to help people with obesity because in my previous practice as a family doctor, you know, I was like most family docs. You come into my office, I'm going to give you medicines for your hypertension, your diabetes, your cholesterol. Then you get depression because you're fat. Then, then you have achy joints. You're wearing your knees out. It's because you're overweight. So people need to take, the main lesson I think people need to take from this is that if you're healthy and you have a normal immune system, you know, you don't have a lot of worries, really. Um, you know, it's not going to kill you. This bad COVID virus is going to be a mild case of the flu or a cold. Um, so the main thing I learned is that the United States was ill-prepared for this thing. They, then they overreacted and almost shut our economy down. People are out of jobs, they're suffering, their nerves are bothering, they're paranoid. So I think that it, we learned a lot, but it caused a lot of unnecessary paranoia, in my opinion. But it did point out to the fact, and I hope everybody learned this, stay lean. You know, if you're overweight, you need to do everything you can to, to get the, the fat off you, especially around your midsection. And in a lot of cases, you don't need a bunch of medicines for your metabolic syndrome. All you need to learn is how to eat. Um, so, you know, here in, in uh, at Performance Medicine, a lot of what we do is treat obesity in the right way. What I learned in medical school is completely wrong, and what they're still teaching is completely wrong. It's almost the opposite of what they should be teaching. So, um, so a lot of it has to do with insulin resistance, et cetera. But um, so... You know, this, this we had some great lessons to come out of this. Um, I, I learned so much by studying it and listening to podcasts and looking around the country. 
And so the biggest lesson is stay leaner. Um, and now we're finding out that this virus is not so spread by asymptomatic persons anyway. So in just in the last few days, we've learned that. I mean, it's, it's odd that we learn more every week about this thing. And uh, it was just an odd situation. Never seen anything like it in all my years of practicing and hope we never do. But I think next time we're going to be more prepared. So um, just take care of yourself. And that's the main thing. And there are certain groups of people that should not be out when a bad virus is going around just like the flu this was just like a bad flu season um it's it was much more uh, contagious than the flu and more lethal but it was a bad flu season um and i hope it's on its way out could we get a resurgence in the fall or next winter we could but you'll be more prepared for it so anyway those are great questions um i hope to see you every tuesday at five send your questions in to performancemedicine.net Take care of yourself. I'll see you next week. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.